This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Now, you imagine Peter, after he says this, he's maybe a little concerned because he's thinking to himself, what did I just do? That's normally what he's saying to himself. What did I just do? I just committed Jesus, my master, to pay the tribute money, and I didn't ask him. I don't know where this money is going to come from, and I didn't ask him. So his quick answer, Peter's quick answer, gets him into a bind. And we do that very often. I do, you know. You do something and you say, what did I just do? So now Peter's state of mind is that, and he comes back into the house. He's wondering, you know, what am I going to do? And this is where the great care of the shepherd Jesus is seen. Because the shepherd Jesus, the Lord Jesus, he knows all about what Peter has just done. He knows all about the conversation. And Peter doesn't have to explain to him what just happened. And the Lord did not take the position of, well, there he goes again. There he goes, Peter again, shooting off his mouth without thinking. Well, let's just let him face the music on this one. They'll teach him a lesson. That's not what he did. That's not what the Lord did here. He's a caring shepherd. Actually, Peter had really put the Lord in a bad position here because if the Lord paid the tribute money, then Peter might have thought that he forced the Lord to really deny what the issue here is that Jesus is God. Jesus is the God of the temple. And so by paying the money, it would force him to take the position of, well, yeah, I'm not really God, so I have to pay the money too. And I'm laid on it. On the other hand, if he didn't pay the tribute money, then he would have forced the Lord to acknowledge that he was God. And that's something the Lord did not want to do. Remember, he was always, don't tell people till after I'm raised from the dead. So the Lord now steps in to help Peter. And this is so typical of the Lord. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And the reason his name is Jesus is because of Matthew 121. 
where Joseph was told, she shall bring forth the son and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save or deliver his people from their sins. And that's always what he's doing is delivering, is getting us out of trouble. He's getting us out, he got Peter, he's getting Peter. So Peter, so he's getting him out of trouble, okay. So Peter got himself in trouble with this rash statement that the Lord uh, pays and he'll be right on it and you can expect that, he'll be a little late. But it, and the Lord gloriously here and it really was gloriously because it was a lot of glory for the Lord in this whole episode. He repaired the damage that Peter had done. And this is so typical of how we get ourselves into deep trouble from our sins. Just take it as a whole. All of our sins got us into deep trouble and the Lord gloriously got us out of the damage, the trouble on the cross. The cross is glory it's the glory of getting us out of trouble. And this is what he did here. Now, first of all, the amount of money, a half a shekel is really very small. And the Lord could have said, oh, you know, that's such a trivial amount. I'm not going to get bothered myself for it. I'm just going to ignore it. But that's not what he did. That's not what he did. And it shows us that there's never a problem that's too small for us to bring to the Lord for help. You know, it's just less than a dollar, but, you know, we don't have it. And the Lord was there, but the Lord was not there physically when Peter was asked if Christ the Master was going to pay the tribute money. And the Lord spoke before Peter told him about it. And that shows the Lord's omniscience. It shows he knows everything. I mean, there's not a word that goes on any private conversation between Peter and temple workers that the Lord didn't hear, even though he wasn't there. And we're going to find out there's not a fish in the lake that the Lord doesn't know where that fish is and what that fish is doing. So in verse 25, we read the Lord spoke before Peter spoke, and the word that's used here is prevented. Prevented means to get in front of, cut in front of the line, it means to go before another. It's the same word that's used in 1 Thessalonians 4.15, 1 Thessalonians 4.15, which is talking about the order of people who get resurrected from the dead when it said, this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that they which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. In other words, go before. So it means that when Christ prevented Peter from telling Christ what happened at the temple, Christ was able, he prevented he went before because even though he wasn't there, he knew all about it. And he says, okay, of whom do the kings of the earth take customer tribute of their own children or strangers? This is the question he asks Peter. Do earthly kings collect taxes from their own children? Do they turn in their family at the dinner table and say, now you owe the tax and you owe the tax and you owe to help him? And if the king collected taxes from his own children, it would be like the king was collecting taxes from himself. And so Peter responds to the question in verse 26, and he said, Peter saith unto him, of strangers, not of their own family. Not to him. Well, then the children, literally the sons, the children are free. So the people in their own family are free. So Peter replied that kings tax those who are not their own children. And the Lord said that, well, if that's true, then the children of the king do not pay taxes. Now the temple tax was taken for God, for God's house, for the temple. And since Jesus Christ is the son of God, he should not pay the tax because it would be like he was taxing himself. I mean, the temple for which this uh, money was uh, collected was Christ's temple. It was his temple. Malachi 3.1, Malachi 3.1, 
where we saw where it says, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Christ came to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, and so forth. So the temple was Christ's temple, and it was also his father's house, as he said in John 2.16, John 2.16, he said unto them that sold doves, take these things hence and make not my father's house a house of merchandise. So all this is emphasizing it's part of the family, the God family, the, the Trinity God family. But to Peter's surprise, the Lord said in verse 17, notwithstanding, lest we should offend them. And he gave the instructions, go to the sea, cast in a hook, take up the first fish he catch, open his mouth, there you got the money. So literally, what the Lord said was, uh, lest we should offend, lest we cause them to stumble. It's another word for that. Lest we cause them to stumble. The Greek word is scandalizo, which is where we get our word scandal. And so the Lord is saying here, and there's a lot of places like offense, is used this offense is the same word, a rock of offense. Christ is called a rock of offense, a rock of a scandal among the Jews. And the Lord had said that this is such a problem of the, of the scandal, of the offense with me, is that he said, you know, there's so many scandalous things they say about me. I'm despised, I'm rejected. I don't wash hands before I eat and I don't do this and I don't do that. The Lord is saying, let's not just add another one unnecessarily, but there are so many offenses against Christ that Jesus said in Matthew 11:6, blessed is the one that dodges all the bullets. Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. So many reasons he saw that people were taking for being offended in him. He just said, person is really blessed if he's just not offended in me. And how many times is it that you, you and I speak to a person about Christ and they start talking about something that offended them? You know, that like being, I'm offended at Christ because of hypocrites in the church. What they've got to do with it, I don't know. But that makes them offended. I'm offended at Christ because of the what these pastors did or these priests to these children. I'm offended at Christ, you know. Or I'm offended at Christ because the Spanish Catholics killed Jews if they didn't convert in the Inquisition. And on and on it goes. You know, it's amazing, all the list of the offenses that come. The temperature's not right. I can't hear in church, you know and I'm offended at Christ. And and so the Lord Jesus is very sensitive now to not just creating just another opportunity for people to become offended at him over the temple tax. So the Lord looks at the situation and he sees the potential for creating another issue over paying this tribute money. And he said, you know what? It's just a distraction. And the Lord then does something amazing. He submits He submits to the demand to pay the temple tax, even though it's absurd for him to pay the temple tax. But he submits to it. He's under no obligation to pay this tax. But the Lord said, you know, it's just best to go ahead and pay the money to them. And the Lord didn't press the point that, look, I'm the son of God and I don't pay this tax. The Lord did not press the point that his body is the temple. He didn't press that point at all. He just retreats back. It's beautiful to see this about the Lord. He retreats back, even though the Lord had established that he should not pay the tribute, the Lord says in verse 27, 
notwithstanding, lest we should offend them. He's willing to back down. He's willing to not engage. He's willing to not do the argument. He's willing to not set the record straight because he didn't want an unnecessarily offend. He didn't want to unnecessarily offend. And you know what the Lord was saying here, drawing back from the Vietnam War, is he's saying this is not a hill to die on. And this person's asking, sort of demanding, that he voluntarily give this tribute money. And the person who is doing this, this is offensive to the Lord. And it would have been very easy for the Lord to offend back, to fight back, but he didn't. And that's a lesson for us because there are situations in our lives, many, that offend us. There are things that happen in our lives that just make us mad. And we want to strike back. And we want to say, he or she can't do that to me. They can't get away with that. And these words of the Lord tell us to block that urge, squelch it, extinguish it, verse 27, lest we should offend them. It tells us, don't do it. You'll regret it because it's unnecessary. Now, that's not in every case, and we're going to get to that. If you should not pay the tribute money, it was going to increase people's prejudice against him and against what he was teaching, and he didn't come just to increase people's prejudice against him. So it shows what he says here, lest we offend them, it shows the value of not pressing our rights in order to avoid being offensive. But there is one offense that we should never try to remove, and that's the offense of Galatians 5.11, Galatians 5.11, the offense of the cross. We should never try to remove the offense of the cross. The cross is offensive because the cross says your sin, my sin, our sin is so terrible and so repulsive that it took the cross to cure it. It took the cross to cure our dirty, rotten sins. That's what the cross says. And the Lord saw no reason to cause an offense over a payment of a temple tax, but the Lord did not have a policy of avoiding all offense, as we see in the Pharisees in a couple chapters before. Matthew 15, verse 7, Matthew 15, verse 7, which he said to the Pharisees in Matthew 15, 7, ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the multitude, and he said unto them, Hear and understand, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth the man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth the man. Then came his disciples and said unto them, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Don't think of that as people, as plant. Think of those as doctrines. Every doctrine which my heavenly father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, then they both shall fall into a ditch. So this was a situation where the disciples had started to eat without washing their hands, which was a grand paramount sin in the eyes of the Pharisees. And they accused the disciples of being terribly sinful because they didn't wash their hands before they ate. I may have told you a story before, but when I was a little kid and a Yom Kippur, fast all day um, in the temple all day long. 
and you couldn't drink any water. They had a plastic thing over the water fountain. It was very disturbing. Anyway, so I went in there and used the bathroom and, you know, and then I, I wasn't going to wash my hands. So I was just going to get out of there, you know. So I was walking out of the men's room there and this, this old man came and he put his hands on, hand on my shoulder and I was so afraid, you know, the old bony hand, you know, my shoulder. I was looking at that and I thought I was going to turn around and see the face of God or something. It looked like an old, anyway, he says, Jews always wash their hands. <laughs> Said, I always wonder what a Jew was. Okay, he washes his hands. Anyway, so the Lord here has exposed how their tradition of washing their hands before they eat had nothing to do with sin. That's what he exposed. And they hated to have their traditions exposed for the absurdity and baselessness of it. So again, he exposed that their hand-washing tradition and their imposing of their hand-washing tradition was like the blind leading the blind. And then he went on to explain that all men were sinners because of their sinful heart that generates sinful thoughts. And when the Pharisees heard them call them sinners because of their sinful thoughts, they were offended. They were offended. That offended the Pharisees. And whereas the Lord was sensitive to not offend anyone over not paying a temple tax, when the Lord said in verse 27, chapter 17, verse 27, he said, notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea. When it came to whether or not to offend the Pharisees over this baseless sin of hand washing before you eat, the Lord, he said in Matthew 15, 8, Matthew 15, 8, this people draweth near it nigh unto me with their mouth, but honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Then when it came to that offense, the Lord said in Matthew 15, 14, Matthew 15, 14, let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into a ditch. In other words, for us to tell the lost, Romans 3.23, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That is offensive, and God said, let it be offensive. To tell a person, Ecclesiastes 7.20, Ecclesiastes 7.20, there's not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not, that is offensive, and God says, let it be offensive. We all would rather hear about how righteous we are rather than how sinful we are. Like yesterday, I was talking to a lost person, and he told me that he didn't need God because he was happy in life. And when I told him about judgment of sin after death and hell as an eternal punishment for sin, he was offended, and he says, you are trying to make me worry. That's what he said, you know. <laughs> and I told him, yes, I am. I'm trying to make you worry because the only reason that a person is going to change from not needing God to needing God is if he's worried because worried people come to Christ and non-worried people don't need God. And so the Lord Jesus said that when a person is offended because he told he is a sinner, that offense should not be taken away because for a person to be told he's a sinner is an offense which will drive him to worry, which will drive that person to Christ, hopefully. Okay, now the Lord solves this dilemma that Peter has committed uh, to paying the tax and um, he, without knowing whether Christ would have committed himself. But okay, so there's a dilemma now. Where's the money? You know, you got to pay the money. So he says in verse 27, go thou to the sea and cast and hook and take up the fish that first cometh up. So the Lord tells Peter, go to the sea with a hook, obviously a line and a hook. 
Now, that's not the normal way of fishing, of catching fish. The, the normal way, you see, in the New Testament is to use nets, not hooks. As a matter of fact, this is the only time in the New Testament where a fish is caught with a hook. We catch fish with hooks, but they didn't do that then. And the Lord told Peter that the first fish that he catches with this foreign method of the hook is going to have the money in his mouth. So Peter didn't have to catch a lot of fish, you know, and, and start prying open a lot of mouths of the fish. Now, where is that money, you know? He says, don't worry about it, Peter. The first fish you get is the only one you're going to have to pry his mouth open, you know. And when we see the Lord telling Peter to go to the sea to get the money, it shows that, first of all, Jesus didn't have the money. He didn't have the money to give Peter. I mean, that's kind of amazing. You know, here's the great creator not having less than a dollar to give to Peter for the tribute tax. And when we see him in that state, it shows, it emphasizes how poor Christ made himself. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. He didn't have less than a dollar that you through his poverty might be rich. Okay, now, you tell us to go down there and does that. And this raises a lot of questions. How exactly did that coin get into that mouth of that fish? Maybe the Lord created the coin, placed it in the mouth of fish. That would have been a miracle. Or maybe that coin was just dropped by some fisherman and that fish saw that shiny coin and bit it without swallowing it. But a fish with a coin in his mouth, you know, fish's mouths are not that big, you know. So a fish with a coin in his mouth would not bite a hook. So, I mean, the fact he bit the hook, that's a miracle. Any case, it shows that even the fish in the sea are under his command. And he commands this fish. You can picture this, you know, internally Christ is saying, fish, I command you to put that coin in your mouth and hold it in your mouth and don't swallow it. And then he says, fish, I command you to swim with that coin in your mouth over to that man with that fishing line and that hook in his hand. And he says, Fish, I command you to open your mouth without dropping that coin and bite that hook. Well, that's a trick. And then, fish, I command you to keep that coin in your mouth and keep that hook in your mouth and allow yourself to be pulled in by that man. And then, fish, I command you that when that man has pulled you in his head, that he's going to pry open your mouth and then you die. And without one word of protest, the fish says, okay, yes, Lord. <laughs> and for all those commandments of Christ, the fish does exactly what Christ tells him to do. And when the fish did that, the fish brought glory to Jesus Christ. He brought glory to him. And that fish did what, I mean, what that fish did was what God wanted Israel to do. You can almost hear God saying, can you be like the fish? Deuteronomy 28.1, the fish did this. Deuteronomy 28.1, it shall come to pass if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all his commandments which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth. The fish did it. The fish did, Deuteronomy 28.1, he hearkened diligently unto the voice of the Lord to observe to do all his commandments. There was a piece of money in his mouth. And the Greek word used here is a double, double drachma. It's, it's a piece of money, it's called a stator in, 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 uh, in, uh, in Greek, and it's the same as a shekel, one shekel. Remember, the temple tax 
in Exodus 30.13, Exodus 30.13, this they shall give everyone that passeth among them that are numbered half a shekel. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.